Let's start today. We're, we're, we're continuing and actually closing out. It's a short series, um, a series called Zeal. Pastor Don broke, uh, broke us in last week and, and really got us kick-started. And if you don't know Don, Don is, his nickname is Zeal, right? <laughs> Middle name is Zeal. And uh, we, 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 and this was one of those, this is one of those messages that Don was just passionate about wanting to bring to you. And then when we decided to make it a two week series, I said, well, you can kick us off and I'll come in as well and, and just build off of the foundation that you build, which is what we're going to do uh, today. But here's one of the verses that he read last week as we were just talking about what this means for us, zeal, passion, fervor. This comes from uh, Colossians and the message paraphrase. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, right, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. The idea behind this verse, which is why the message paraphrase breaks it out a little bit differently, is that our spiritual fervor, our zeal, our passion for God should affect every area of our lives. It should touch and affect every single area. And so, uh, Pastor Don, again, last week, you'll have to go back and watch it, go back and listen to it. He gave us great examples of what that looks like when we lose our zeal, um, distracted, you know, passions and things like that. Matter of fact, the two examples he gave of churches in, uh, in uh, Revelation, two of the churches that are written, uh, was just the distracted where there's the wrong passions, right? The wrong passions, you're passionate, but it's the wrong thing. And, and, and you can get distracted by those things, the, the eternal versus the temporary. And the dead, which is just passionless, right? The idea being that there is a point at which you get to, and, and, and even Pastor Don shared uh, the, the, the warning to those churches was he was going to take their lampstand away, their influence, right? right? Because there's a place in which you get to where you really don't feel any zeal or passion at all. And the reason, he shared this at the very end, the reason for the series, the reason we're doing it at the beginning of the year, is our prayer is that you would make 2021 the year that you're going to feed your spiritual fervor for the Lord. That you're going to feed it. You're going to fuel it. You're going to cultivate it. You're going to grow it, right? And that's, that's really where we're going today. Now, again, you'll have to go back and watch, but um, building off of that, what I want to do is I want to take away some of the mystery that we kind of think of when we think of fervor or passion or zeal. You know, sometimes you see people with it, you know what it is, you know, they have it and you don't feel like you have it, but they have it. You guys with me? And so, and so that sometimes gets a little mysterious and I want to take away some of the mystery, but I don't, listen, I don't, even with all the practical stuff today, I don't want to take away the supernatural, which is as Don shared last week is that we now have the Holy Spirit living in us and the fact that we can kind of grow and cultivate and strengthen this spiritual fervor in us is a supernatural work of God through the Holy Spirit. So I don't want to take that away. But I do want to give us some handles, and I want us to think and kind of remove some of the mystery, hopefully, in a better understanding of passion. First and foremost, we need to understand this. We do not create zeal, passion, and fervor. This is not something that we have to originate and create. We are called to cultivate it, to grow it, to strengthen it, to expand it, to broaden it, to exercise it. Let's use all the words I can find, right? The thesaurus, right? That's what we're called 
to do. We're not called to create something. And here's the problem. And there's lots of problems that come, but when we, when we think for some reason this is something that either automatically, that's a made-up word, right, automatically gets created in us by God, or something that we have to originate, we can get really frustrated. And we can do some really dumb things. And one of the things it causes us to do is start comparing ourselves to other Christians, to other believers, to people that we think have it, you know, when you're not really feeling it, but they seem to feel it more often than you feel it. It's not something we create, it's something we cultivate. It's very, very similar to the language that we see directly used the way we, we, in Galatians, you guys have heard us talk about this before, we even did a series on this last year about the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, this is in Galatians. The Holy Spirit, what's the word? Read it out loud. It produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? This is not something we produce. Right? It's something the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. What's our job? is to exercise the fruit, to grow the fruit, to see it expand, to see it grow, to strengthen, right? The fruit of the Spirit that has been given and produced in us because of the Holy Spirit. So we view passion, we view this zeal, we view this, um, this fervor the same way. That it's not something we produce, but it's something that's produced already in us because of the Holy Spirit, when people, again, think they have to create something, they begin to think they have to compare themselves to others. And the worst part about that, well, one of the worst parts about that is that you begin to fake it, right? Now, there is some, some there's like a philosophy out there, fake it till you make it. Y'all heard that one before, right? Well, you can learn the words and you can learn the phrases and you can, you can understand what, what people seem to be doing in their, in their spiritual lives and you can kind of fake it right? To see if that would work for you. But the problem is it's still coming from the root of trying to compare you and compare your spiritual relationship with God, your fervor, your passion, your zeal to me. And guys, you can't do it. You know, comparison is, is a loss no matter what, because it's personal. Zeal and passion and fervor is a, it's driven from a personal relationship that you have with Jesus. It looks different for you than it does for me. So it doesn't do any good to try to find the formula, to try to find the life hack, if you will, right? To try to find the, the magic bullet that's going to be the thing that, that, that just brings it about in your life. So there's no use in faking it or comparing yourself to anyone else. That's as foolish as trying to compare your marriage to someone else's marriage. Okay? They didn't marry your wife. You married your wife, right? Trying to compare your parenting, trying to compare your kids to other kids. Like, that's foolishness. I know we still do it, but it's foolishness. Right? It's personal. You cannot remove the personal side of this. I'll give you a quick example. Okay, just a real quick example. I tried to explain this. I, I took a sabbatical. It's my first sabbatical ever. I took it four years ago, almost five years ago now. Oh, man, it feels so long. All right, four or five years ago. And I, and I just remember this story, and I'll tell you because it's a little humorous. But it's a story that I tried to explain to people when I got back about this wonderful moment that I had. And it's not, I'm not telling you to focus on moments, but this is a moment okay, that I can explain the difference. I'm in Montana. I was, this is the last third of my sabbatical. I was doing a vision trip. I was interviewing churches that, that were doing incredible work. I was in Montana, and when I was in Montana, I'd never been there before. I never saw the Rocky Mountains before like that. 
And I wanted to, when I was going to the church that day, I had it planned that morning, just a few hours, I was going to go and drive this famous route through the glacier, uh, West Glacier, East Glacier Mountains. I was going to drive this famous route through the, through, the, through the mountains. I was really excited. But I had to get up super early to do it, okay? And I'm not, a, I'm not an early bird, just to let you know. This, that's not me, okay? But I'd already, I mean, again, this is towards the last third of my sabbatical, and I already had some incredible moments with God. But this is just one of those days where I was having another moment. And it was barely going to get started, okay? I'm up, I was reading scripture, I was, you know, uh, meditating on some things that uh, I had read before uh, during my uh, solitude retreat that I was thinking about that night as I went to sleep and I woke up and I just woke up soft in the, in the spirit. I got in the car and it was like 6.15 in the morning and the sun's barely up. Like the sun is behind the mountain, that's how close I am to the mountain, you guys know what I'm talking about? The sun's behind the mountain. I can see the light around it, but I can't see the sun. And I've been listening to Southern Gospel. I like all kinds of music, but Southern Gospel's got a special place in my life. And I was listening to Southern Gospel, and I had, had the rental car, and I had it jamming. And, you know, I had a little weird playlist. And I, I, I can promise you, it was a weird playlist. And I'm just, I'm just getting overwhelmed as I just drive down the road. And it's about a 30-minute drive to the entrance of the park. And I can't make it 30 minutes. I'm overwhelmed. I'm laughing. I'm crying. The sun hasn't come through yet. And I'm telling you, just, just because, again, this is different. The sun breaks through a section of the mountains, breaks through, and a Disney song comes on. No judgment. Okay? This song comes on. It was part of my playlist And the word said, at last I see the light and the fog is lifted. Okay? Oh, I'm having church. Okay? (laughs) Angels are singing. I pull over on the side of the road because I can't drive. I'm crying. And if you guys know me, I sing and and it's not a joyful noise when I'm crying. All right? So there's snot and blubbering and lots of... But I mean, I'm laughing and singing out to the top of my lungs and I'm having this moment with God. And when I try to explain that to people, you know, the most I get is... That's great. That's, you know, that's great for you, you know? Why? Because that is not, none of those things are how you experience passion and zeal and fervor with God. Maybe that's not how you're wired, okay? That's, these kind of moments happen to me a lot with music and with travel and with, and with nature. I'm just telling you, they happen to me a lot, but they're different. And you are wired differently than I am. So you can't look at me and be like, okay, all right, I don't even know what Southern Gospel is, but I'll find it. Um, I'll pull up some Disney stuff, you know. I'll go out to the lake. I'll f- watch a couple sunrises, you know. And I haven't cried once, except for wanting to go back to bed. And I get it, okay. But this is why comparison is really dangerous. Faking it is really dangerous for us personally because we won't ever get to experience those moments. We won't ever get to have this growing, expanding fervor and spiritual passion that's ours, ours, not someone else's, but ours. Paul tells the church in Rome that our love is to be genuine and sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. And he goes on to say this, never be lacking in, what's the word? Zeal. And what we just talked about, never be lacking in this, but keep your spiritual fervor as you're serving the Lord. Keep it up. 
maintain it. That's a good word in terms of how the, the, the Greek is translated there. It's a maintaining, it's a cultivating, right? Fervor for God. That's the call. And here's what I've noticed in lots of counseling and conversations with people is that there are some people, listen, genuine followers and believers of God. Because of however it worked, because of the church, because of what they, you know, they really never experienced it. Like they experienced some emotion, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. They experienced some emotion, but they've never had a sustainable understanding of what passion for God looks like in their life for everything. And, and part of that is because we don't really understand it. We, again, we, we mystify it. And so I want to I talk about two different things. One, what sort of, what, what is it in our life that takes our passion away? Because that's important to know. And then what fuels it, right? What can we do to cultivate that fervor, that passion for God? Versus what steals our zeal. What steals our zeal? Now, again, Donnie hit most of this last week. Okay, I mean, he hit as much as he possibly could. Big foundational pieces, repentance, dependence. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's gold last week. You need to go back and listen to it. But there's so much more in terms of even individually that can rob you of your passion, that can steal your zeal. And I want to just share three things that I really do believe is kind of common and I think has been really big this past year that steals our zeal, that siphons it away. Even when you're trying to cultivate it, even when you're praying for it, even when your, your desire is for it, it just takes it, it steals it, it robs you. Here's those three things. One is anger. I use the word frustration because most people don't think that they're angry. Okay? They don't, they're not, they're not, not everybody's an Enneagram 8, okay? So anger is not a close personal friend of yours. Some people don't like it. They don't experience it the same way. But I want you to understand that frustration is still rooted in that same idea of anger. And frustration, I like to tell people this, just to help give a visual for frustration. Frustration exists in the gap of expectation and reality. Okay? Expectations and reality. Real easy to understand. Married people in the room, right? What you expect of your spouse, okay? The, expe- the little silent expectations that you have, the further and further and further and further away reality feels, the more frustrated you are. Nod your head if you're with me, right? right? Oh, if they're meeting expectations, there's no frustration. But if they're so far away from those expectations, you don't know where the anger's coming from. But it's coming from there. It's, it lives in that gap. And so it can be with anything. It can be with job. It can be with the economy. It can be with your family. It can be with the pandemic going on. It can be with anything. It can be politics. There's frustration that lives in that gap of, 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 of expectations versus where you perceived reality is. And it's a huge just stealer of any type of spiritual zeal and passion you have. <clears throat> Another one is fear, okay? Anxiety. And I've walked you through this before when we focused in on fear. But the biggest one that people don't like to talk about is that perfectionism and control issues, okay? This, this, 
the things that rise up in you, the more chaotic the world is, the more people that struggle with fear, control issues rise up, okay? Because you can't control, because everything's out of your control, you seek to control as much as you possibly can. Remember, I think we talked about it, it was, it was fear's ugly little dark secret, is control issues. And you cannot have and exercise control issues while trying to still have a vibrant spiritual fervor for God. Why? Because your passion and, and zeal for God is, is foundational in the trust you have in him. If you're constantly fighting for control, you're gonna, it's, it's battling against the trust you're supposed to have in him. So anger and then fear, this frustration and this, and this anxiety and control issues, they can all blend in to steal our zeal, to rob us of our passion to siphon off that spiritual fervor that, we're, that Paul said we're supposed to be keeping, we're supposed to be cultivating. The third one is grief, which is really just the best way to say is loss, disappointment, betrayal, you know? And you can feel this around anything. You can feel this again with family members. You can feel this with friendships. You can feel this with um, with systems, political systems and government systems and work systems and things that, you've, that, you, that have just disappointed you and failed you because all these things are built around people. And people will fail you at some point. And you will grieve that. You will experience grief. And grief siphons that away, steals that zeal from us. Now, if you just look at this quick list, I'll be, I, this is just me personally. This is 2020 for me. Okay, I'm just being honest. I have fought really hard this year not to allow my zeal, my, my spiritual passion to be completely robbed of me. And yet what's at work to steal it is constant this year. Okay? The disappointment that I have felt in 2020 has been huge. Right? The frustration between expectations and what reality was setting in to be, massive gap, lots of anger, lots of frustration, okay? And even though I'm, I'm, I'm an Enneagram 7, so I, don't, I, I, I tend to ignore fear, you know? I don't think fear exists. But the problem is the bombardment this year where everyone, everywhere is telling me to be afraid of everything. It just steals your joy. It steals your passion. It steals your steal. Like this is 2020 for me. So you need to understand the toll this has taken on you, that these things take from you, especially when you are working to cultivate, when you have a desire to go after the things of God, to, to fuel and cultivate your passion and your fervor. You came into 2021, you, you took the challenge that Don gave last week, you want to make this the year that you feed your zeal, that you fuel and cultivate. Your passion, you need to know what robs you of it. You need to be aware of that. You need to know why it does it. You need to be able to recognize the signs. We do need to talk about <laughs> what fuels it. All right? What fuels and cultivates our passion, our zeal, our fervor. Again, we use these words interchangeably. They have different small, small subtext meanings, but... 
and the big picture. What do you do to grow it, to strengthen it, right? To see it expand, to, to broaden your understanding. What, what do you do? I mean, it does require some action on our part. What, what, are, you, what are you engaging in to, to grow it, to cultivate it? Don, again, gave you some great examples last week. I loved the repentance dependence last week. That's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. But the, but the easiest way to break this down in terms of what's going to cultivate it is two words. Spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines is a category that we sort of lump in the, the, the personal, hear the words, personal responsibility that God has placed on us as followers of Christ to do the things he's told us to do, right? To do the things he's called us to do, right? Now, so that list can be, can be I mean, you, you might type it in Google and you'll get all sorts of different lists. There's some common ones in terms of what you and I are individually commanded individually called to. These are spiritual disciplines, the ideals and instructions that God has placed for you. Not for a group, not for the church, not for a country or a group or a, or, or, or a tribe. Or, you know, it's, it's for you. That's what makes them a personal, spiritual discipline. Here's a great um, passage from the psalmist in, in Psalm 119. The psalmist is saying, cause me to understand the way of your precepts. This is your ideals and instructions, God. Cause me to understand that, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Why? Because the psalmist knew that something was there that was going to take away his passion and zeal. Thank you so much, Shana. You're awesome. Your passion and zeal. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness, meaning that I've committed my way to you and I've set my heart on your laws, your rules, your instructions, your ideals, your precepts. I will hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands. I run. I run in the path of your law, of your instructions, of the things you told me to do. For you have broadened my understanding. This is someone who acquainted with sorrow and grief and, and struggle. And yet the, the way that Psalmist describes it is, is amazing. It says, you've broadened this. I want to understand it better. Help me understand your ways, your law, your, the way in which you, you work. I'm committed to you. I'm, I'm, I'm devoted to you. And I'm able to run. Hear the words run. Okay? I'm able to run in your commands, in your law. This is, this is someone who understands what the spiritual disciplines are created for. That what, what they're designed to do. Okay? They're not designed to drag you down. They're not designed to be a chore. They're not designed to be a way in which you gain favor with God. 
They're not designed for gold stars. They're not designed to, 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 for, you know, a lot of people use them for works-based salvation. They're not designed for that. They are designed that when you set your heart and mind on him, you get to run. You get to run in those instructions, in those ideals, in those commands of those personal spiritual disciplines. One of the biggest things that people struggle with is emotion. Because what people want is they want to feel God. Everybody with me? They want to feel a strong pull to read the Bible. Well, I hadn't, I've never had one. Have you? They want to have a f- strong pull and feel and feel like they want to open, they want to start praying. They want to start praying. And then they'll just, again, like, like lights break through the roof and shoot right down where you're praying and, and God's voice appears. Like, that's what they want to feel. They want to have this emotion tied to any activity at all so that they can, can have, again, what we think is sort of the quick fix, if you will, the formula to zeal and passion and joy and fervor in God. But that's not how it happens. See, he gave us our spiritual disciplines to cultivate and to grow and to strengthen our zeal. Not our emotions. Oh, it's not that you won't have emotional moments. That's why I wanted to give you that example of when I was in the car and blobbering. I have plenty of moments, but that's not where the work is. That's not what I'm trusting in. It's not the emotions that bring me the zeal. Okay, the feelings that bring out the zeal and passion, it's the spiritual disciplines. It's, it's, it's what God gave us to cultivate. I'm going to go ahead and give you a quick list. You can take a picture of it. You can write it down. This is just a quick list, okay? Prayer and fasting. And I give you a few verses just so you can read them on your own. But pray and fasting. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present it to God. And the peace that comes from God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts. Right? Bible reading. All scriptures inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true. Make us realize what's wrong. God uses it to prepare and equip his people. Do not underestimate the power of reading God's word. Sharing our faith. Peter told us that if someone asks us about our faith, we, we put Christ first in our life and in our priorities. And if somebody asks us, we need to be ready to explain that to someone. Meditation, which we've already read one of these verses, but another great one is, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've memorized it. I've meditated on it. I've, I've spent time thinking and dwelling and pondering on it. Sabbath rest. Really understanding Sabbath rest. The great one is Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me lie down in the green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Stewardship of everything, our money, our time, our talents, our resources, to those who use well what are given, even more will be given to you and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing with what you've been given, even what little they have will be taken away. Gathering together for worship. There's a place for individual worship and corporate worship. Hebrews Author Hebrews says, I want to think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works and don't neglect the meeting together, 
that happens with the church. Don't neglect that as part of your life, as some people do, but spend time encouraging one another. Spiritual gifts. Lots of different places. Peter says, you've been given, every one of us has been given, God's given you a spiritual gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well to serve one another. These are just, again, there's more than this, okay? Nod your head if you're with me. These are just a few things. These tend to be very common in terms of, of uh, ideas of what we would call spiritual gifts, personal uh, spiritual disciplines. Sorry, not gifts, but personal spiritual disciplines. But they require our engagement to activate and to cultivate and to grow and strengthen our zeal, our passion. And so I have a quick illustration I'm going to give you. Uh, this is one that I, I just love. Um, let me see if I can do this without wrecking everything. Sorry. Um, yeah, there we go. So for those of you that, um, you city slickers, okay, may not know what this is, all right? Because for most of us, unless you grew up with your grandparents on a farm or some other place, okay, you... Um, You've never really experienced this before, but if you go to Kenya, you go to Peru, you go to some other places, you'll still see this is a pretty active way in which people get water, okay? This is a manual well pump, okay? This is a manual well pump. And, and most people, again, just, just kind of using it as an example, an illustration, most of us, when we want water, we want it now. We want to get it quickly. We want to have it at every place at our disposal. We want to be able to flip the switch or wave the hand or, you know, to open the faucet up, and we want it to pour out. Even those, you know, ones at the campground that look, look all old-fashioned-y, and all you do is, like, lift the lid, and then water pours out just like a spigot, right? They want it to look like it's an old, an old pump, but it's really not really. The, these are designed to kind of prime the pump, you know, get it in the well and prime the pump. And then once you start to get that, you know, you're, what you're tapped into, you can just pump it, and water begins to flow. And zeal can happen. This is part of why spiritual disciplines are something we do. They're something we engage in. Now, I want you to imagine what this looks like in terms of how most of us, again, I'm, I'm sorry, Coles, you can't even see what I'm doing. It's amazing, by the way. It's really awesome. You'll have to go back and watch the video later. Sorry about that. I want you to think about the way that you and I, most of us, not, not picking on anybody, most of us approach these spiritual disciplines and why it is we lean so heavily on emotion and why we get so frustrated and we don't experience any, any zeal, you know? Because, you know, Christmas was really busy, December was extraordinarily busy, and, you know, you, you, you might have made it, you know, online one week and you had to go out of town, there was lots of weekend things you're doing, and last week you were just exhausted from how busy everything was in December. And, and so you made it to church today because next two weeks are way packed. They're extraordinarily stressed. So you made it to church today, okay? And, and, you, and you had that one song and whoo, it was good. <laughs> you, 
you know, you, you sat down, we're going to get ready to, I'll tell you about what we're going to be doing over the next 21 days. And you sit down and you think, okay, I'm going to pray more in 2021. I'm going to pray more. And, and I get in the car and I start praying. I get in, you know, somebody told me to go into a closet and light a candle. That's great. I can't fit in any of my closets at home, but you know, we're going to get in a closet and light a candle and I'm going to, I'm just going to feel it. You know, it's going to be amazing. So I'm going to say that prayer. And for some reason, the month went on and I didn't feel anything different. I want to feel, I want to be able to open up the Bible and I want to be able to understand it. Just like Matt. Matt reads a few things, Don reads a few things, and they just, it just makes sense and they're just doing this. And I opened up this weird thing, numbers. I thought, I, I like math. Numbers looked fun. I was going to read numbers. Nothing. Do you guys understand what this means? Why, when we approach spiritual disciplines from kind of this inconsistent sort of one-offing of, of, of some of the things God's called us to do that we sort of view more as suggestions, if they fit within our life? This goes back into what Don was talking about last week about competing passions. Because Bible reading and meditation and prayer and corporate worship and stewardship they just, aren't, they just aren't touching every area of your life yet. And you wonder why you feel so passionless. You wonder why there doesn't seem to be much zeal in your life. And yet God created, created these spiritual disciplines so that we would be able to get into a rhythm and we would be able to pray and we'd begin to read our Bible and we would begin to, you know, begin to tithe and understand how God works stewardship. And we would begin to corporately worship and understand the importance of not just what you get out of it when you come, but what others get out of it because you are encouraging them and you're finding ways to serve others, right? And you're using your spiritual gifts and you're starting to lean into him a little bit more. You're meditating on the word of God. You're meditating on a day and night. You're, you're, you're experiencing rest and moments when you can take Sabbath rest. And it's the rhythm of doing these things over and over and over again that begins to fill you, that begins to fill your life with zeal so that your cup overflows. Now, I'm not going to do it enough to overflows because Chris will get mad. but this is the way he designed it. Not, not as suggestions, not as things for you to do. And again, I hope you hear me clearly. Like Some people use this stuff as ways of saying, like, well, this is what you do so that God will be happy with you. This is what you do to, to secure your salvation. This is not works-based salvation. This is not why we do the things he's commanded us to do. We do it because we are tapped into the river of life, because we are tapped into an unending well of grace and mercy and favor and patience and, and love and joy. And if we want to experience it, we have got to engage and do the things he told us to do so that we can have the zeal he, he already put in us. That's how we cultivate it. That's how it grows. That's why we tell you about growth track at our church. We say, look, you know, this is how we tell you how God made you and how to use your spiritual gifts and how to partner with a, with a corporate body. This is why we do this, so that we don't take for granted that you were, you were saved in a church as a child. We don't take for granted that you know the spiritual disciplines, that you know how to engage in this. That's why we want to teach it. We want to offer it. 
We want to give you tools. One of the tools we're going to do is, as I said, I'd share before, is our 21 days of prayer. This year, we decided to tie it to this series in this way, which is why we didn't start it right at the very beginning of the year or do a series around it. But we do want you to understand that this is still a big part of how we, as a church, want to start the year. Our 21 days of prayer. It's going to have an opportunity, three things for you to be able to do. It's going to have an opportunity for you to read scripture every day. Read a, read a passage every day. It'll be shared on social media so you can share it with others. There's a card out in the lobby if you want a card with all the scriptures on it so you can begin to do that. You can meditate on it. Every morning on Facebook Live, one of our staff members is going to come on about 8 o'clock and, and walk through a small observation, if you will, a quick soap of that passage, of that scripture, so you can engage in prayer with someone else and with a group, but we're not going to do it in the house, you know, because of the pandemic, but we're going to do it online. And then there's an opportunity to pray. Those are just three things, three things out of that list that you can engage right now, right now with this 21 days of prayer, you can engage in and begin to see what God will do in your life as you begin to make that a habit, as you begin to make that, that discipline a priority, to read his word, to pray, to meditate on. That starts tomorrow, by the way. Starts tomorrow. If you want to receive emails with it every day, you can go to the info.bar, sign up for that. Everybody will get an email tomorrow. You can click a button on there and register. We don't, we don't want to bombard you, you know, your emails if you don't want us to. We'll put it on social media every day, no matter what. But if you want to email to you, you don't follow the social, then just make sure you go to the info.bar, sign up, take a card, follow along, and be a part of this with us as a church. And start to begin to engage those spiritual disciplines. I want to go back to that idea where the psalmist said, I run in the path of your commands. Here's the writer of Hebrews. From talking about the idea of the hall of faith and the people of faith and the people of God that he gives an example of in chapter 11, he says, therefore, because of this, in light of this, we're surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily ties us up. Go back to last week with Pastor Don. The repentance dependence, confessing that sin before God, repenting of it immediately, quickly as you can. The times you're distracted, the times you're passionless, the times you, you recognize grief and anger and, 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 and fear are, are taking away your zeal. And let us run with endurance. Endurance, right? It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? The race that God has set before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. A champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If there's anything I want to make sure you, you walk away with, not only do I want you to just have that picture in your mind, every time you're engaging and you're kind of praying about that zeal, that, fat, that passion, that fervor, I want you to think about that pump. What are you doing? Are you engaging in the disciplines? Is it a priority in your life? Are you just kind of one-offing and consistently doing it and wondering why you're not getting anything out of it? I can tell you why. 
But I want you to remember, you do not create this, okay? You cultivate what's there. You cultivate what's there. God has already placed the zeal and the passion and the spiritual fervor that you desire. He's already placed it in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you as a follower of Christ. Now that may not be true for you. You may not be a follower of Christ and part of the part of the disconnect of engaging in church or engaging in religion is the fact that you don't get any zeal. You might get some of the benefits of being a part of a community of faith, but you don't get any zeal, you don't get any passion. You know, you you have to fake it. That's the best thing you can do because it's not in there. I want to give you this morning opportunity to, to accept that gift of salvation and begin this journey this year with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, with the ability to be able to have that, as we read in Colossians earlier, have that every detail of your life be affected by the joy and the grace and the love and the passion that comes from God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come this morning and I'm very thankful that this is something I don't have to create, that I am not the originator of anything. God, that when my eyes are fixed on you, you are the initiator. You are the perfecter of our faith. You're the one who initiates the relationship. And so, Jesus, today I just, I just create this small space for those online, for those here, that right now, if you are knocking on the door of someone's heart, if you are initiating that time of a relationship with you, if you're here this morning, I want you to just raise your hand very quickly and I'm going to lead you in prayer. If this is a relationship that you do not have but you want to start with your Heavenly Father. If you'll say these words with me, whether you're watching this later or right now, Father God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, it's you. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came, what we just celebrated at Christmas, you came to bring hope and life and light to everyone who believes so I confess to you today that I can't do it on my own, but I need you. I want to have you be the Lord of my life. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit will begin to work and begin to give you the opportunity to cultivate that zeal for anyone who's prayed that prayer. God, for the rest of us, you've called us to keep that zeal, to strengthen that passion, to cultivate the spiritual fervor in us. God, may we not settle for a 2021 year 
where we are not growing in our faith, where we are not growing in our zeal, where we're not growing and strengthening in our passion and compassion for others and passion for you. That affects every area of our lives, God. We, we pledge that right now. God, do an amazing work in our hearts over the next 21 days as we pray, as we read your word, as we, some of us fast, as we meditate and take steps of faith because of it. God, it's only by your spirit. It's only because your spirit gives it to us already that we can take it and receive it and see it grow and strengthen and fuel that zeal. Thank you so much, Jesus, for that gift in your name.